Welcome to Energy Matters, where we explore alternative health in the Pioneer Valley. I'm your host, Caroline Rutterman, and I'm a Reiki professional and intuitive in Northampton, Massachusetts. For the past nine years, I've been teaching people how to use their intuition and helping them reduce stress and anxiety. Together, we'll talk with other practitioners and learn how they bring health and healing to the Pioneer Valley. Let's do this. Hey, welcome, welcome, everyone. You are listening to Energy Matters, and I am your host, Caroline Rutterman. And today we have a very special guest, my dear friend, Ashley Mader, who is a sex therapist. Yes. Welcome, Ashley. Thank you, Caroline. I am very excited to be here. I am so glad that you're here. And, you know, I, I think that um, that when we talk about sex, people, there's so much wrapped up in our in our sex lives and what that means for people. And it's a it's a huge point of wellness and, and health for us. And so I'm, I'm really glad that we're we're going to pull back the curtain a little today. Absolutely. It, it's all it is energy. It's a different type of energy. Sexual energy is still energy. Absolutely. And, you know, I was when I'm every week I, I prepare my questions for people and I, I kind of talk to different different folks and I, I took a survey of a few of my friends and I was like, you know, like if you met a sex therapist, what would you want to know? I am curious about these questions now. And and one of my friends actually and I've heard this a few times and he he said, I'm 40 years old and I'm still horny. Good, good for him. That's great. Well, actually, I think he wanted to know why am I still always horny and I'm at 40 years old. I mean, you're a healthy, you're a healthy person, right? And I, I look at that way as there's no expiration date on sexuality, mm. and there's no expiration date on sexual desire. I think there's a there's this assumption that at a certain age we are just like expired milk, right. and we're just poured down the drain. What? That's 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 not how sex works. We are we are sexual from the day we are born until the day we die. Wow. How we express that may change, but we are still sexual. So forty, I don't know. Forty is very young. I think so too. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I'm not that far from forty myself. So <laughs> I am really hoping that I know that I will feel this like similar like but it does change the way you might want to express your sexuality absolutely and it's it is funny because I I do hear some of my my friends who are in their 40s and 50s and 60s repeating these statements and it's like yeah there there is even though it's a joke it comes as part of this wrapped up idea that you know yeah we're supposed to be expired milk or you know our sex drive is supposed to decrease or right. that we're just supposed to dissipate into neutrality well and i think there's that i mean there's this humor around it and i do a lot of workshops around humor and how the humor actually creates a lot of stereotypes the humor around aging and i mean if you go to a grocery store and you're looking for a birthday card for anyone i'm gonna say over the age of 40 it's starting to be like oh you're over the hill now oh it's the downward slope or something sagging this or wrinkles this or and it's but at at the expense of who like and we we internalize these stereotypes and these are the stereotype excuse me, the stereotypes that we take into the bedroom with us. Mm. Not necessarily good stereotypes to take into the bedroom with us. Right. Right. Of things drooping and yeah. Yeah. And that we're like over the hill. Right. It's very uh, self-deprecating. Absolutely. 
So how how does one become a sex therapist? What makes your work a little bit different than going to um, a regular talk therapist? Like what what um wh- how how is your work a little bit different? So I mean I think I mean a lot of times I do a lot of talk therapy. So I shouldn't say that I don't do any of that. So if someone wanted to come to me for anxiety or depression, I I can I can work with people um, with those experiences. I'm very sex positive. So I'm I'm open to hearing about sexuality. I'm open to having an honest conversation about sexuality. And I I mean I have my PhD in human sexuality. So I'm not saying that I am a I mean I don't think any of us are a genius on anything. I think that we are all, but a lot of my focus in my sessions are around healthy sexuality and or how to create more healthy sexuality. Hmm. It's also, I think, the comfort around it, because I I do know a lot of healthcare practitioners, whether it's maybe therapists or um, primary care physicians, don't always ask the important questions around sexuality, especially with their aging populations. Well, now I want to ask, what are the important questions around sexuality with aging questions? So I think, I mean, as simple as, are you sexually active? I know that sounds very simple because we may go to the doctor and they might ask us that in general. But if you're over a certain age, and especially if you are single, like widowed or what, like they're just, they're like, oh, they're not going to ask you that as much. Um, And I think it has a lot to do with the stereotype that older adults are no longer sexual, which is false. Right. And I think it is also to do with people's own discomfort talking about sexuality. Absolutely. When you say, of a certain age, where where's that where's that line start where people start asking them less and less about their sexual health? You know, I think I'd like to say I, I it's it's hard to say. Um, I'm going to say probably around the age of when when you start getting your Medicare card around the age of 65. Okay, I'm going to assume that's just like kind of like my shot in the dark right there. Okay, all right. So you you said a few things before about you identifying yourself as as sex positive. Mm-hmm. What what is sex positive? How do you understand that as a framework? So sex positive for me is inclusive of everything that is safe and consensual and being open about hearing about those experiences and not viewing sexuality as a negative construct yes there are negative aspects unfortunately of sexuality um sexual assault etc but being able to be open and talking about that and not placing a hard judgment on different expressions of sexuality Hmm. okay and then the other thing that you touched on was this idea of healthy aging and I know that that is a huge topic, and that is a theme that runs throughout your work as well as your website, which is ourshine.org. Uh, and I, so so let's let's talk about let's break that down a little bit. What is mm-hmm. what is healthy aging? You know, it's interesting because I've been thinking about that a lot before I came on the show. I'm like, oh, I talk about healthy aging. What is healthy aging? And I think there's different ways of looking at healthy aging. There, I think there is the very typical, typical way of looking at it as the medical model of healthy aging of, okay, you know, eat the right thing. Well, what is that? But um, get some movement and 
and just make sure you go to the doctor, get things checked out. And so that's the medical model. And yet, do I think that can be part of healthy aging? Absolutely. But I also think it's your mind and your the way you view your own aging process Mm. and how you express that and how you feel about your aging process. Okay. That's how I... I mean, it's the, I think this the, the goes back to the, the saying of aging gracefully. Well, mm. What is that? Like, I kind of think it like healthy aging might have kind of replaced that saying of if you have really negative views of aging and you're going to go in there kicking and screaming. I mean, think about this way. Ideally, we're all going to age because the opposite problem would not be fun. Wait, growing younger? Well, that I mean that would that, that's just not possible <laughs> okay. yet. I was thinking death. <laughs> okay, <laughs> um, but so it's it's interesting if we're able to age in a in a place where we don't have our own internalized ageism, which we all do it to some degree. Um, I think it makes it it's a, a very a, a healthier view of aging, and I also think with like ageism, I think it's interesting. It's the only ism that affects us all we're Mm. all gonna get older we're not gonna change our we're not changing our race or anything like that but one day we're all gonna get old Mm. why why are we ageist why are we ageist against a population that one day we are going to become ideally why yeah why why do we do that right that's i guess that's a question that we have to ask our selves and our parents i don't right. who, where where do we find the answer to that question that's, that's a good question um <laughs> we, we go to you for sex therapy yes that's what you do um you have to actually ask about what your views of aging are mm. if you're really thinking about what what how is aging depicted in your family was it aging like a butt of jokes was it uh you know you're just gonna get gonna be the sweet old grandmother just like knitting or are you going to be that feisty grandmother that's getting tattoos and riding motorcycles yeah I think of your mom right yeah my mom started getting tattoos when she turned 54 and uh, I don't know if she's ridden motorcycles but I wouldn't be surprised (laughs) but um but you know it's funny because the thing that popped into my head when you said oh you know what are our own internalized beliefs about aging is I I think back to when my grandfather who as he was getting older, you know, all his aches and pains, and he would look me in the eye and he would say, getting older is not fun. Yeah. And that really resonated with me because he, well, he wasn't happy. You know, my my grandmother had passed maybe six years before he did. And there was, yeah, he was, he was just kind of hanging out, waiting to die. And, you know, all those aches and pains and accumulated health issues were, were sort of a manifest, I believe, that were sort of a manifestation of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, he, he really left that deep impression that, you know, it's, it's way less fun on this side. Yeah. My, my, and I think that is the, the older generation's view of aging. I, I think it's changing because my grandmother was the same way. Uh, old age is for the birds. I don't even know what that one, <laughs> I don't even know what that, I don't that know means because birds seem pretty happy usually <laughs> flying around <laughs> um, but so it's something that you don't want to become and I heard that even from my mom my 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 aunts and everything like that so, but I I hear it from current clients and they're expressing their aging in all different ways that is very healthy and positive and not what I would, a lot of people would look at as the stereotype of aging. 
I love that. I love that. So, so your your sex therapy. I know you um, on your website. You talk about how you your doctorate was in um, sexual health for with aging. That that was your specialty. That was my specialty. My my doctorate's in human sexuality, but my research concentration was in sexuality and aging. What what drew you to that? It's an interesting because that wasn't my original plan going into graduate school at the age of twenty three. Right. <laughs> Right. You never know what you're going to find your passions in. Really, that's true. So, uh, I mean, I knew that I, I mean, when I went into graduate school, I got a, I was getting, it was a dual degree program. So I was getting my master's in social work while I was getting my PhD in human sexuality. So in a social work program, usually you have to do internships. So I was interviewing for my internship and the professor was asking me, oh, what have you worked with? What would you feel comfortable? And I, I am like, well, I've worked in domestic violence shelters. I've worked with children for years. I'm very comfortable in any of those populations. And she said to me, well, what about aging? I'm like, mm, I don't know. I've never worked with aging. I my, I had a grandma. I had two grandmas. I've been around older adults all my life, but yeah. it's not anything that I've really considered. And she's like, we're challenging you. You're doing this. Wow. So I didn't really have a choice. Okay. <laughs> and I think everyone else, but it was the one, one of the populations that I have I had not worked with. So I decided, well, how can I in- include sexuality when I am working in at this, I was in the, in Philadelphia, uh, in the West Philadelphia senior center. Oh, fabulous. How can I include sexuality? And so it was started becoming my challenge. And then I loved working there. I loved interning there. And I really wanted to be able to do more sexuality workshops, do more things around sexuality with the older adult population. So I did some research on body image and aging, which to me is body image is part of sexuality. And about how people felt about their bodies, older adults felt about their bodies as they got older. So that was my first kind of little bit of research in graduate school. And after that, I got a fellowship to have two internships. And I was working in a geropsychiatry unit. And I was doing work at senior centers doing singles groups and sex workshops. And it was it was like the perfect blend of mental health working in an outpatient geriatric program and the perfect combination of let's drink wine from a box and talk about sex. That that must have been a very fun group to be a part of. They made me blush at times. I mean, I was uh, very impressionable. They, I mean, they would just ask me very interesting questions. I can't even remember any of it, but sometimes they would make me blush. There's always one that just wanted to push the limits. I loved it. It was great. It was it was so much fun. That's really cool. And we did sex bingo. We did, I mean, we did single, I mean, the unfortunate part of singles groups in this area where I was, it was in a suburb of Philadelphia. It was all women and two men. You know, I have to say that a lot of a lot of, you know, groups, uh, you know, around like social work or any kind of support groups do tend to draw more women. Yeah. So, that that tre- that's on trend. It is. And 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 then after I did that, I realized when I would come home from my internships, I had so much joy and I knew that I found the right profession 
to continue on in. And so I knew that I couldn't imagine not ever working with older adults. Mm. That's, you know, I feel like that is such a strong signal when you're, when you feel that joy and that when something uplifts you, that's, that's the path. That's, mm-hmm. that's the direction. Follow those feel good feelings. Yeah. You know, we, we were talking a little bit before um, along the break and, and you mentioned something that was very, um, that really kind of raised my eyebrow for a moment. And, and you said that the, our body image as we age has a lot to do with sex and our sexuality. Yes, uh, it's, it's interesting. If you think about your body image now, body image affects sexuality. If you're not feeling good about your body, you're not going to want to share your body with someone else at times if you're not feeling comfortable in your body. So that can change. Some people can become more comfortable in their bodies as they get older. So there is that that there, there can be a positive change in body image, but there can also be a negative change. And I wish I would have brought I had a poem that my mom wrote about her changing body. And it was it was heartbreaking about how that, you know, this the sagginess, the that she just felt like she was looking in the mirror. She didn't always feel like herself Mm. and how, and I've heard that from other, this is, I'm thinking of like women in my life, clients, family members of not even wanting to date because they wouldn't want to share their bodies with anyone. Mm. And that's just really sad. And I mean, I think not saying, and I think that there's the other, I've heard when I was doing my dissertation research, I was interviewing um, older adults on their experience of sexuality as they age. And one of my questions was about uh, how they felt about their bodies. And one guy, because I, I think we we think about body image as a a woman issue, a female like, a, and and it's not because this 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 well, so man, much so much of the lens of society is on the female body. Absolutely. And this man was talking about, and I never it, thought it was very interesting. He said that he would always go to bars and he would get free drinks or he would get free drinks on planes. I'm like thinking, what airline are you flying? I know. <laughs> that sounds great. He sounds like a great person to hang out with. And I'm like, hmm. But he said that he remembers when everything started changing, that he just felt like he was a character rather than an, the man that he was. Hmm. So people's identities and their ego gets really wrapped up in their in their physical. Absolutely. Whether it is uh, weight gain that causes people to not feel comfortable in their body, graying hair, uh, I hear that, uh, or no hair, thinning hair. Also, how our bodies operate. It's not just the. It's not just what it looks like. It's about how we feel about the physical function of our bodies. For a man, are we able? Are you able to get an erection? Or for with people with penises, are you able to get an erection? Um, for people with vaginas, are you able to lubricate proper, like in a way that feel, makes sex comfortable for you? So that, and if you're not feeling good about that, it can affect how you feel about your body in general. It's almost, or functioning, like whether it's just walking around the block, whether it's exercise whatever it is that you used to do that you you might not feel as strong doing you you can feel like your body is betraying you which can affect your overall body image i mean we think a lot about it's just like what it looks like but it's about how it functions as well right right so how do i mean how do we remedy this if it's such a deeply ingrained 
process of, you know, day to day, year to year, and it's all these kind of very, um, you know, deeply held belief systems, how, how do we start to shift these mentalities that we have with, within ourselves? We, we have to explore our own internalized ageism. But I, I mean, I think sometimes it's a, a systemic thing. We need to have, we need to be able to go to the newsstands and be able to see a magazine with someone who is older, not just these young people. With Jane Fonda on the cover, who is such a babe now. Such a babe. And she has like one of the best shows out of Grace and Frankie. It's a great show. I don't know if anyone has seen that show. I mean, it's actually very popular. I hope that you have seen it. Um, But it's with... um, Jane Fonda and uh, who's the other? Lily Tomlin. Lily Tomlin. And there's, there's, it's a pretty like well rounded cast. Uh, But it's about two older women who are recently single Mm -hmm. and they're exploring dating and they're, you know, they're developing vibrators and, you know, they're business women and they're, 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 they're awesome. It's amazing. And there's another, so I do think there are more TV shows out now that, are aging positive. And and I look at even and this is another show that Golden the Golden Girls. Oh, yes. And we to me it's still one of the most classic shows and and I know so many people who still watch the reruns. It's an amazing show. And I will say I, I they had a positive spin on aging. It was a very but there was I mean there was still some don't get me wrong there was still some negative aging stereotypes. But I'm thinking like Blanche she was still like having her her amours and her lovers. And, Absolutely. Yeah. So I think that, and honestly, probably watching that might be one of the other reasons why I chose my path. Sure. Why not? <laughs> but if we have more positive images of aging and not the the horrible stereotypes, I mean, if you think about some movies or. I mean, how are older women depicted in movies? It's like the sometimes like the fairy godmother or it's the wicked witch. I mean, I'm thinking more like fantasy. But if you even think of Harry Potter, like the, the wise woman, the I mean, and same way with like the older men and that as well. There, there's these stereotypes of what older women can be and older men can be. And if you're the opposite of that, it's like the dirty old man and the cougar. Right, right. And it's still, yeah, there's still kind of a little bit of a lechery kind of thing going on in right. there. You know, it's like, stay away. This is the domain of the youth. You know? Absolutely. So if there's more positive depictions on aging in just pop culture in general, I think that's one of the places where it starts. Because we can work on our own selves and what we view aging as and really like tear that apart and you know, practice healthy aging in the medical sense if that helps what we can control around it. But when it comes down to it, I I think there is so much systemic stuff that needs to be changed. Hmm. What is, um, as as a sex therapist, what is what is the main reason that people come to see you? I mean, is there even a main reason? I feel like there's, I, I, I go through spurts of one reason. And it's just, for a while, it'll be like erectile dysfunction. So spring is erectile dysfunction season. Not necessarily. That, it's usually fall. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> uh, but I will have a spur of a lot of um, erectile dysfunction clients. But then there'll be a time where uh, there's a lot of female sexual desire. And and I should also, 
unfortunately, there's always a a trauma umbrella with some some of the sexuality. So there is sometimes working through sexual trauma. And honestly, sometimes it really depends on the the client, but sometimes they just want to be able to have a therapist that understands what being in a polyamorous relationship and understand being able to respect that and not have to explain everything or what their what their kink is and not being judged harshly. Sometimes it's just it's not necessarily that they're coming in that, that it's a problem per se or an issue. They just want to be able to have someone that isn't going to be like, huh? Right. Yeah. Because those subtle little things can really leave pretty deep impressions Absolutely. when you're exposing yourself and, and yeah. trying to access help and assistance and support around that. And and I have recently I've had a lot of I've seen and, and I've heard about as well a lot of older adults older being in the average age of like in the in their 60s transitioning genders i've seen that a little bit more lately very cool very cool i I think it has a lot to do with things being more socially acceptable Mm. and they're wanting that they want to finally be their authentic selves yeah can we jump back to the erectile dysfunction stuff for a second jump right back on it is that psychological it can be both. So I always I always want to rule out medical because there are so many things that can cause erectile dysfunction. With like cardiac stuff. And- cardiac stuff. The other thing too, I think we, the medications for, you know, high cholesterol, high blood pressure, all those medications can relate to erectile dysfunction. Also, your lifestyle. If you're not getting enough movement and if you're eating a diet and a high high in saturated fats and your your arteries are clogging, they're clogging everywhere. Mm. Blood flow is blood flow, people. Including the penis. Yes. So I think <laughs> I mean to, to put things mildly, it's, bluntly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> It's so so yes, there is that and I mean certain antidepressants can cause um sexual dysfunction, um erectile dysfunction. And a lot of times doctors are not going to say, Oh, by the way, this causes erectile dysfunction because it's the ageism of, oh, they're probably not having sex anyway. Mm. Or isn't their high cholesterol or their high blood pressure more important than their sex life? Well, maybe they're equal. Right. <laughs> maybe that's not. Like at least ask the question. Right. Right. And I, I think that that is such a huge part. I mean, unless you're on a more of a monastic path when you're using, you know, your your spirituality and your sexuality, whether it's through Tantra or, or kind of doing something like there's plenty of reasons that you might choose not to have a healthy like a, a sex life as you know, in the material world. However, I feel like when people go without or are deprived of it for such a long time, it affects all aspects of their life. Absolutely. And touch is so important. Touch is so important. It's so healing by itself. You know, even if it's just a, a like, you know, a massage therapy in a professional manner, but that the physical connection that we have with each other is just, I mean, it's so healing. Absolutely. And I guess I wanted to go back to the, the so anxiety uh around erectile dysfunction is also it can be a mental it can be there can be a psychological block there a lot of times so for 
just regular healthy aging, I think it's important to know what the body does as it ages. And one of the things that happens to people with penis is that their erections do start to change after the age of 40. I didn't say that means erectile dysfunction automatically. I did not say that. (laughs) Erections change. Don't get ahead of yourself, people. Exactly. (laughs) Erections change. Whether it is the time between the erections, the firmness, everyone's erection is different. Every change is different. Some people might not have as much change. I mean, it can be a bell curve. So not the penis, the, right. the, the, right. the phenomenon. The phenomenon. <laughs> Statistics. Just, maybe it will be. Yeah. Um, but I think, so what will happen is that there'll be a shift in the erection and it gets into the person's mind that, oh no, is this the beginning of the end? And then they can't, uh, and then that performance anxiety is can can be what, prohibits an erection oh, and it's very interesting and if they also would if people would expand their idea of what sex actually is to something more like outer course things that doesn't have that doesn't have to be sexual penetra- like penetrative sex what is outer course so outer course is anything that's really not it's not like penis and vagina sex okay. so it can be different types of like oral sex and fondling and just really just wrap your mind around it like the world is your oyster yes lovely and so then you so if you can kind of wrap your mind around something that's not doesn't have to have a hard erection and or and also being pleasure oriented rather than goal oriented meaning goal oriented meaning going for the orgasm right okay so just enjoying the process trust Mm. the process i love that so, so I, I do have a couple other questions. When, when people, and if you're just tuning in, we are chatting with Ashley Mader, who is a sex therapist. And um, when people first meet you and you, you know, oftentimes when I'm getting to know folks, I like to know what they do, just because that's, you know, what we do it informs who we are in a lot of ways. And I, what do, how do people respond when you tell people about what your work is? It's interesting because when I was studying sexuality, when I would tell people I'm, you know, it was something I was, I'm I'm super proud of it still, but I was, you know, as a a young sexuality student, like, I'm going to be a sex therapist. Very glamorous. Very glamorous. But at the same time, in the dating world, when I was single and things like that, it was like, can I be your case study? Oh, yeah. Those types of questions (laughs) that were just, so there was a lot of that. Yeah. But lately... I have found that I have either people who really just want to then share everything about their sex lives with me oh, or people who change the subject really, really fast. So which one do you like to talk to more? <laughs> it's, it's interesting. I think it depends on my, my most recent experience. Cause, and also sometimes I'll just tell people I'm a therapist mm. if I don't want to have to d- deal with any per- people's emotions, whether good, bad, or indifferent. Yeah, you don't want to have to drop that bomb on everyone. Right. But recently on a plane coming back from DC, luckily it was a short flight, I sat next to someone who was very, very chatty. And, you know, she, you know, wanted to know all about me and and everything. And I told her, I'm like, I'm just going to say what I do. I was just tired. It was late. I heard everything about her sex life on her pl- on that plane ride to back to Hartford. <laughs> yeah, she really felt like you were a trusted source. At and that then point. she hugged me afterwards. Aww. It was actually really sweet. Yeah, uh, but it was it kind of 
threw me off because sometimes I don't completely share. But I think a lot of people do. It's either the, I don't really know how to approach this. I'm really uncomfortable with the topic of sex myself. Let's change the subject. Or people who are overly invested. And then there's the in-between people, which I would say you're the in-between people who are just want to ask normal, like just regular questions and get to know what, like what we're doing now. Yeah, let's, it's just having a conversation. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I probably have the same amount of questions that I would have for an accountant as I would for a sex therapist because I have an infinite amount of questions for everyone, which is why I do what I do. <laughs> but um, but that's that's really interesting because I, I just think it's, it really, sex is such a taboo still. Absolutely. It's still one of those, um, it's still, you know, sex and death are really hard conversations to have for a lot of people. Yes. And it, it touches on some really raw, really intimate places that um, that don't always get discussed on the day to day. It's interesting because in couples therapy, when I see couples, sex is a really hard subject to talk about as well as finances. So I, was, I wonder if it's like sex, death and finances. I, I think that's probably are the three taboo topics yeah, yeah. that people really, really try to avoid. So if we are if we're doing some of this self-examination that you talked about, obviously, you know, having more sex positive uh, like television shows and imagery within our culture if we if we're kind of bringing in that that personal self-examination point what are some questions that we can ask ourselves to kind of get our own dialogue going about our own internal ageisms our own internal discriminations that we have for for getting older i think you know sometimes closing your eyes and just imagining what kind of older person do you want to be really like thinking about that also how do you feel currently about your body how do you feel about the aging process where did you get those messages about aging and really examining those but i i I like the the idea of really thinking about like what what would being an older adult look like for you Mm. I'm asking you that, Caroline. Oh, you are. Yeah. Well, all I when I first think about that, I I'm like I'm gonna have really strong arms. <gasps> yes. And I'm gonna be tan, but I'm never gonna be tan, so that's not actually gonna happen. <laughs> but um, the strong arms could. Strong arms are definitely gonna happen. I I feel like I I want to be one of those women who are still really into bar or Pilates or really really physically fit and you know just like a little old lady that is also super super strong and still riding her bike everywhere you might be a 70 year old bodybuilder you know anything is possible absolutely i just i mean i started taking up running just a couple of years ago so why not yeah might as well i mean start start now yeah (laughs) (laughs) making those goals what about you what what would you like to how what kind of older person do you want to be you know, I, I feel like I'm going to be very sassy. You're already very sassy. So I, I'm just going to get worse <laughs> or better. I don't know. It depends yeah. on who's. Yeah, I, you know, it's interesting. I, I, I kind of the same thing about being very active and being still willing to wanting to learn and really experience new things like traveling and going to different places and still learning different things. That's something, and be, having still a sexual life, yeah. Whether that's with a partner or with myself, 
That sounds great. Yeah. You know, part of um, part of our friendship, when we first got to know each other, it was just, you know, I feel like we were both so easy talking about, you know, and joking about sex. And I just knew right away, because I have a very... Um, you know, I, I don't I don't fully tone it down on the radio, but I <laughs> I would say that I like to have open conversations and I that is one thing knowing you as a as a person, as a friend, knowing how easy and non judgmental you must bring that to your therapy practice. Mm-hmm. Because I, I just I mean yeah, I so I, I I really would very highly recommend your work and thank you um, and you know hearing hearing more uh, in depth of your your theory and you know kind of making sure that people feel of all genders of all kinks being sex positive really bringing these larger practices of of you know just forward thinking and how how society is moving I, I like that you're you're doing that every day thank you I, I do I remember our first friend date. Yes. It was at Esalon. Yeah. And we were all already like finishing each other's sentences. It was very, it was, it was very tender and sweet. I know. <laughs> I know. It was just, a, it was an instant bond. I yeah. was like, this is a girl that, that I feel very comfortable around. So yeah. And I also enjoy being here. This reminds me, I did a radio show in graduate school with a bunch of other human sexuality students on oh. sexuality and we called it instant pleasure. Whoa. Do you still have access to any of those old, um, did you record that stuff? I don't really think I would want people um, having access to those. It was back in the day. It was back in the day. Uh, no, I do have my one of the co-hosts. Sh- she has everything. And so when I go visit her, we will play it. Yeah. And, I mean, we were from 10 to midnight. so we, And it was a small school. So I don't know how many people actually tune in. But we did hear that we were the second most listened to radio station. That's so cool. Or like radio show. So, I mean, I... I who knows the reason, but I, we were very uncensored. That's so the reason. I, probably. <laughs> so I don't know how much I would want people. I mean, if you can find it, it it's fun. It's it's yeah. gra- like graduate students talking about sex. Yeah. Such a such a moment in time. It, it was a moment in time. The, the mid 2000s. So now so now you're bringing uh I know that you have a podcast you have our better half yes and that is uh you guys kind of have a similar format where you and your co-host uh interview people um across uh across the profession absolutely we we interview we've interviewed all sorts of different people we've interviewed uh other sex therapists we have interviewed physical therapists we've interviewed personal trainers we've um, we've had live live shows at gazebo um, cool. and talked about bra fittings after a mastectomy oh, yeah. i got my bra fitted on my pot on the podcast That's so awesome it's we've we try to keep it fun and interview people who we think are very fascinating and and very important to the world of sexuality and aging i love it and where can people find that um our better half.net Fabulous. And it's also on um, iTunes and all the podcast places. Okay. So it's easy to find if yes. you do a search for our better half. Absolutely. Fabulous. Um, and I know that one other kind of feature that you do besides having, I know you have a waiting list for your private practice, so that isn't quite as accessible for people. The other thing I know that you do bring to the community is is workshops at nursing homes and assisted living facilities. Yes. Can you tell me a little bit about what what the heck you do over at those places? So it's interesting. So it really depends. I always do a, what I would call a needs assessment. 
And the needs assessment is assessing what they really want to learn and what do they want to get out of the workshop. Because I don't want to go in and have a suitcase full of vibrators. Right. When they're like, we're not there yet. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah. You're not bringing your bag of tricks on the first day. So I always want to make sure what the... The energy of the the whatever, whether it's a nursing home, whether it is a senior center, I there's certain things that I would talk about or not talk about in a Catholic senior center. Of course, and because I have to be, I have to feel what people are comfortable with, what I can talk about. So I do a need like a needs assessment. So and then also whether it is is this for. The community members are these for the older adults themselves or is this for people training older or in working with older adults so the nurses because that's the other thing I do with workshops is work with people working at nursing homes and assisted livings and telling them that like to look at their own ageism and not project that onto their consumers and their clients being able to promote healthy sexuality in nursing homes. Absolutely. Because a lot of times there's a huge discomfort. It's one thing to know that your active grandma is having sex. A lot of people might not want to know that, but your active grandma might be having sex right now. But it's a different story when it's like your your grandparent in the nursing home might be having sex right now. It's both. It's great. Like, but a lot of people in nursing homes and people who work in nursing homes don't have that acceptance about that, and that becomes a problem. Absolutely. So I do a lot of work around that. So most of my stuff and most of my workshops in nursing homes. So I've done some workshops with the older adults themselves. It's usually around training the people who work in nursing homes. So when I do assisted livings and senior centers. That's more about working with the like the older adults themselves. And it, a lot of times I talk about how to talk to your healthcare professionals about sexuality. Sometimes I started off that, that way because they don't sometimes they don't want to talk about it. It's embarrassing sometimes. Right. And it's also a generation of folks now that maybe those conversations has have never even I mean, that might not have been ever part of the you know, health dialogue. Absolutely. So teaching them how to advocate for themselves and their sexual selves. And because a lot of times their doctors are as old as their grandkids. And that's uncomfortable. Yeah, absolutely. So I talk about a lot about that and what sexuality looks like as one gets older. I do a lot of so I always kind of whatever needs that that clientele needs I guess at the time that's what I will base my workshop around that's really cool do you know and something that you kind of touched on a moment ago too was you know expressing our ourselves sexually when when we're able to talk about that within I guess let me back up a little bit how how do we have that conversation with our doctor Like, what are some of the words and some of the language that we can use when we're broaching these, like, subjects if we're, if we feel uncomfortable, you know, and whether we're, you know, aging or whether, you know, whatever age, what are, what's some of the language that we can use when we're working with a doctor? I mean, I think it's knowing what's important to you. So if there is a question that you have, to me, one of the, the major is medications and how this affects 
sexual desire, sexual functioning, and asking what are what are the sexual side effects of this medication? I think that's something basic if you're if there's medication. And I mean, that, that can be medication for anyone at any age, whether it's an antidepressant for someone who's younger or older or high blood, whatever it is. Uh, the other, don't be afraid if, there, if you are experiencing discomfort during any type of sexual activity, speak up. And, and, and it's, I think, it's, yes, it's about language, but it's really about owning our sexuality hmm. and being comfortable with it's okay that you're sexual. Sexuality is a beautiful thing. And it's fun. And it's fun. Embrace it. And I, I worked with, or I guess really it was my old boss in Philadelphia. She was 80 years old. Wow. And she was sassy. And she said that she made her doctors uncomfortable all the time how much she talked about sexuality (laughs) and i and she goes but i taught them and they actually thanked me for it later that they became way more comfortable about talking about sexuality because she just put it in their face all the time she was the pathfinder right i mean she did it in an appropriate way of course but she so i think it's we have to is it really the doctor's discomfort or is it our own discomfort experiencing their discomfort if that makes any sense well it is uncomfortable when somebody else is uncomfortable absolutely so being able to self-soothe enough to be like this is who i am and i'm gonna i'm gonna address this this is this is what is important to me and my sexual health my sexuality is very important to me and i want to know how this will affect this or i'm having pain here and i don't like it and yeah, I mean, they they might be uncomfortable, but just knowing advocating, advocating for yourself is so important when it comes to sexuality and sexual health. Well, in really any type of medical situation, medical situation, it's good to advocate for yourself. But in this case, sexuality. If we if we have a doctor that we do feel is uncomfortable about this kind of stuff, and we don't want to push those limits, maybe we aren't fully fully embraced. How do we know? How can we test the waters or how can we find a doctor? How can we kind of do a little bit of um, research? Because it takes a little while to find a doctor that we love and that we trust and that we feel we have a mutual respect, you know, relationship with. Um, what are some kind of questions as we're on the hunt for a sex positive doctor? Ask um, them if they're sex positive. And they should know that what that means. Well, if they don't know what it means, they might not be the doctor you want to go to. <laughs> That's fair enough. <laughs> no, that's maybe. fair. No, that's how I find my hairstylist. I'm like, do you cut her curly hair? And if the receptionist says, we can, everybody can cut her curly hair. I'm like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, it's the other question, if you don't want to say, like, use the term sex positive, because it might be a, it's been more of a common phrase used in the past few years. So maybe doctors who are in their 50s or 60s might not be familiar with it are you comfortable about talking about sexuality? Because my sexuality is important to me still. Hmm. I like that. So I think that can be something kind of how to address it. And it's okay to kind of do some interviews with your doctors. I, I know the the older adults that are the most comfortable with their doctors talking about sexuality are the ones that the doctors and the patient have aged together. So I've noticed that. So they've always, sexuality has always been a, talked about because 
they've been together, like they've established it. So there wasn't as much ageism. So I've noticed that with some clients, but a lot of times you just have to interview and find the right fit. Kind of like find the right fit for a therapist as well, or any type hairdresser. You don't want to. It's no different. It's no different. Yeah. Aw. Well, tell tell us how people can find you. How how can people kind of learn more about your work and, and your resources and things like that? So as I think you said it before, my website is um, ourshine.org. So you can find, you can get in contact with me there. You can email me if there's questions that you have. My website will be going undergoing construction soon-ish, but it's it's still the way it is right now. So we have some good material and some, some good, good interviews and stuff on there. Yeah. So yeah, shoot me an email if and I do have a don't let the waiting list scare like scare you because things ebb and flow. So if you are looking for a therapist, also like shoot me an email. And you're in Northampton as well as Amherst. Yes. Perfect. And if you come to my Amherst office, you might have a therapy cat with you. Oh. Humphrey. Humphrey the therapy cat. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how therapeutic he is, but he likes being <laughs> in the office. <laughs> well, he's a pretty nice cat. I think I enjoy him. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of my clients enjoy him, too. Yeah. Well, there's something very soothing about being with animals when we're pouring our hearts out and Absolutely. exposing ourselves. And Humphrey's exposing himself. All the time. All the time. <laughs> and, you know, it just keeps it, you know, I'm a sex therapist. Yeah. Just keeps it real. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fabulous, fabulous. Well, is there any, um, is there anything that you would like to um, leave as a, as a parting note for anyone who's uh, tuning in and uh, just any, any last things that you'd like to throw out there about um, healthy aging, expressing ourselves creatively, sexually, um, any, and I don't know, any last words that you like to um, put out into the universe? You know, I think that the one thing that I, I find really important, I said it at the beginning, but I'm going to say it again, is that we are sexual from the day we are born until the day we die. How we express that may change, but we are still sexual beings and embrace that because it's beautiful. Hmm. I love that. I love that a lot. So it's an evolution. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Ashley. I'm I'm really grateful that you got to sit down with us today and and have a conversation um, with all the the folks listening and, and driving home on their on their weekend. Yes, thank you so much. This is this has been great. Absolutely. Well, I hope everyone has a fabulous weekend, and we will uh, we will see you next week. So be well, everyone.